How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Did you watch the XFL over the weekend? Did it, did it tempt your taste buds enough to return for a second helping? Will you have seconds? Yeah, we'll try anything once. Will you go back and get a second helping? That is our poll question this morning at RDC Home and Home. Did the XFL show you enough that you will watch next weekend? It is a Oscars Monday Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are, folks, trust us, the smartest way to hire in 2020. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, and Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. We'll also dive into the best rivalry in all of sports, bar none. Argue with me if you like. It is North Carolina and Duke, and nothing else comes close. I'll tell you why. We'll discuss it with Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports later in the program. Ross Tucker, happy Monday to you, sir. I know you. You would watch high school football. You would watch peewee football if it were on television. You would do anything to fill the void of the NFL season being gone from your life. So I just want to give you a blank slate. I know you'll watch some XFL over the weekend, the debut of the Vince McMahon League. What did you make of it overall? What was your first impression? Well, you're right, Dave. Um, any football that's on TV, I'm going to watch that pretty much over anything else that would possibly be available. And frankly, if I don't really like it, then the XFL has a problem. And and I would describe it like this, Dave. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I was glad it was on. I was glad I flipped the channel to it. I purposely didn't watch the first game because A, I was doing something else, and B, I kind of wanted to see what the social media buzz was, see what the reaction was. Mm. And then I watched almost the entire second game, uh, which started at five and actually had, that's why I'm wearing my Princeton uh, 150th year of football on, Chad Kanoff from Princeton started for the LA team in the second game. 0% chance, by the way. His parents thought one day he'd be a starting quarterback in the XFL when they sent him to Princeton. <laughs> 0.0. That is not why they sent him there. I can assure you of that. Uh, I liked it, Dave. Look, I thought it was pretty high level of football. Um, I recognize a lot of the names. A lot of them were very good mm. college players. I thought there were some tremendous plays being made. I thought the coaches were creative I loved a lot of the rules, the kickoff rule, the extra point rule. Um, I, I liked almost everything about it. I kind of like different uniforms, new team names. It's almost like watching any given Sunday or something. Like I, I yeah. liked a lot of it, okay? I don't I don't know that I would say I loved it. And so I guess okay. and there's a lot of different elements to this, but to me. It's not going to be appointment viewing. 
So I liked it enough that if I am home and I think about it, I'm going to put the XFL on. I'm going to watch it. You know, like next Saturday, we're going to go skiing again in the morning. When I get back, after we get home, I just want to veg out on the couch a little bit. I am going to watch that over regular season NBA, regular season college hoops, unless it's like Duke Carolina, which obviously it's not. But I'm going to watch that. But I'm not going to say, honey, we can't go out to dinner, or honey, we have to get home from skiing earlier because I have to watch this XFL game. It's going to be something I watch when I feel like it. And I don't know if that's good enough or not. Yeah, I asked myself this question, and, and I'd like your answer um, before I lay out my answer. Uh, if, if this were a date, if this were your first date, would the XFL get a second date? And if yes, why? Is it because she's hot? Is it because she's nice? Or is it because there's just not much else on the market? You know, a younger, single Ross Tucker, would she get a second date and why? She would absolutely get a second date because, okay. yeah, because this time of year, the, it, it's slim pickings and uh, yeah, she's the yeah, best yeah. girl that'll go out with me right now. And I, I, I got to get some loving, right? I, I, I you know, yeah. Rossi, need, Rossi needs some affection. I need, I, I need some <laughs> loving. So, uh, yes, she would get a second date for sure. But. I would already sort of know that it's not going to be a long-term thing and I'm not going to marry her or get serious with her, but she'd get a second date because I'm looking around and she's the best thing I got. Was it Rossi needs some lovey? Was that? Yes. <laughs> Rossi needs some loving. Rossi needs some loving. So that's how you did XFL. Rossi needs some loving. That's ultimately how you will be judged. But she's not getting a ring is a serious statement from you. To determine after one week that she won't get a ring says an awful lot. Similar to how I feel. Would she have gotten a second date? I'm frankly not sure. She would only get a second date if, like you said, there were not a whole lot of options out there. If I wasn't exactly, you know... If the phone wasn't burning up at that moment, she would get a second date. But in my prime, she's not getting a second date. Um, she was interesting. She was a nice girl. She was nice. I don't know if she was hot enough. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, here's how I felt midway through the weekend. Have you ever been driving down the highway? And I'm going to go from a date to food because I, I view everything through my stomach. If I'm driving down the highway on a road trip and I'm starving, man, and the kids are begging for food, and I see a Chipotle uh, on the side of the road, one of the gas station Chipotles, okay, not one of the main standalone in your hometown, but one of the gas station ones that's together with the mobile, I am so excited to have it because there's nothing else around. Like, I'm not pulling over for McDonald's. So I'm pulling over for this Chipotle that's together with the gas station, even though it's not up to the standards of what I'm used to. Gas station Chipotle is not great. It's just okay. It's not up to their standards. So I'm only going to eat that if there's nothing else around. The same way I feel about Chick-fil-A. I love it. 
more than anything in the world when it's fresh, when it's hot, when I'm getting it from the drive-through window. But if I go to a party and it's been sitting around like a, a catered event and it's been sitting around for 40 minutes and it's kind of cold, nah, I'm probably not going to eat that. So it really depends on the options that are out there. I feel the same way about the XFL as I do gas station Chipotle. It was good. It's not up to the standards that I would like. But here's what is, um, I think there were a lot of things to like about the packaging of it, Ross. I think on the surface, I like a lot of the packaging. I like a lot of the rules. And, and the word is transparency. I like that. Without question, Dave. And so here's what I would say about it. I have, yeah. I guess, more questions than answers. Obviously, we have a poll question uh, which we will get to at RDC Home and Home. He's at Dave Briggs TV. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And I think the poll question, Dave, is essentially what means the most. And it is Did the XFL show you enough that you will watch next weekend? With 524 votes, 67.4%. More than two-thirds are saying yes. That is encouraging. 11.5% are saying no. 21% are saying they didn't watch it in the first place. So that leads me to my next question. And I have two of them, right? Yep. Number one is, did anybody see enough that they will be compelled to have more people watch it next week. You know what I mean? Like I saw Dave where ABC put out that they got 3.3 million people for the opener. My question to you and everybody else would be, are they going to get more than that? Like, okay, here we have 67% say they'll watch it again, but there's a certain percentage saying, no, they won't watch it again. So, it sounds to me like they're never going to get to 3 million again would be my guess because they got the first weekend. People were curious about the rules and the packaging and some of the players or whatever. So then from there, I think 3.3 is the max and it'll go down from there. And then the next question is, what do they need to be able to make it? Like if, if you told me right now, Dave, if yeah. they average 1.5 million people per game watching it on TV and 15,000 fans in the stands, okay, I, I would say maybe they can do that. Like if that's enough for them to break even or be sustainable, then maybe they can do that. I guess I need to know more about what they need to get in order for it to be sustainable. And then I feel like I could already pretty much tell you whether or not that's going to happen or not. Okay, let's go through that number then. So you got the 3.3 million, which is more than the AAF debut game, which is 2.9 million. Now that league crashed and burned and did not make it through the season. So 3.3 is a very healthy number for the league. They have to like that. Attendance was around, yeah, 15 to 17,000 per game. I think that is less important. Although I will say on the attendance, you don't need those big stadiums. You got to stay away from MetLife. You got to keep finding different venues. They have to be soccer type venues, even high school or small college. 
because the, the more full that stadium looks and feels, the better for the league. To go to MetLife 80,000 strong and then have 17,000 of the fans is a bad look, feel, and sound. So you have to search for smaller venues. You have to eliminate MetLife Stadium from the equation. The 3.3 million, though, a very healthy number. And you're right. It's going to represent the best rating all season with the maybe the notable exception of a championship league if it can be in prime time. But 3.3 million, if you cut it down to three, if you cut it down to 2.5 million, that can still be a successful venture for the networks and for the league. And let's keep in mind, the NBA, with stars from coast to coast that we all know and love, is averaging somewhere around 1.415 million. So less than half of what watched the XFL debut, less than half is where the NBA is right now. Now, granted, the league is down some 15%, but if they can top the NBA and college basketball on a Saturday and a Sunday, that is math that can work for the league without question. That is math. And based on our survey, two-thirds of you say you will give this girl a second date. That is a sustainable number for the league. What's missing for me is star power. And quarterback play is tough to find. There is not enough quality quarterbacks to fill the NFL right now, in all honesty. That's why we're having such a transitional offseason at the quarterback position. It was ugly at the quarterback position in the XFL over the weekend, and that's going to hurt the league. It's a star game. All games are star games right now. We watch players. We watch Mahomes. We watch Lamar. We watch uh, even Jimmy Garoppolo and Bosa and company. We watch Tom Brady. We need some stars in the XFL. They're going to have to up the play at the quarterback position. Landry Jones did not play. That took a lot of bite out of opening weekend. P.J. Walker was probably the best of the quarterback play. He played for Houston, showed a really versatile game. Cardell Jones looked pretty solid for D.C., but Ross, they're just going to need more star power. And to get that, I don't know where they turn unless in the future they're able to get a Trevor Lawrence type of player who can't go to the NFL after one year. I think that's what they're going to need to survive long term to really up the buzz. Because I don't see one player that I really want to see again. Is there is there someone I missed other than P.J. Walker or Marquette King, the punter who is outstanding? We remember him from the NFL. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dave, because talking with Oliver Luck, uh, like you and I did, they are paying a good fare for these quarterbacks. For Landry Jones and Josh Johnson and Matt McGloin, these are all guys that have multiple starts in the NFL. Now, part of the issue is Josh Johnson was hurt and didn't play, so my guy Chad Kanoff had to play instead. Landry Jones didn't play, so they had to have uh, the underwear model, Philip Nelson, instead. You know, some of these quarterbacks that they paid a good chunk of change for because they recognize how important quarterback play is they weren't out there, but they're paying a lot of the players in this league not a lot of money. I mean, if all goes well and you win a bunch of games, you get like $55,000, except for the quarterbacks. They wanted competent, professional quarterbacks that had multiple years in the NFL, multiple starts, 
and yet they still had trouble scoring points. Some of it's because those guys were hurt that I mentioned, but they're aware of how important quarterback play is. They're paying up for that. They felt like that was one of the negatives of the AAF. But a lot of their better-known names, not necessarily star power names, but maybe better players in Landry Jones and Josh Johnson, they didn't even play. So it's interesting to see if that makes a difference. In terms of star power, there are always the Johnny Manziels, the Tim Tebow's, the Colin Kaepernick's, if you will. And people would still, after all these years, people would tune in out of curiosity to see how those guys would do. And I think that the XFL should consider it because if you get people to tune in out of curiosity to watch those guys, they might say, you know what? This isn't the NFL, but I kind of like it. I like the kickoff rule. I like the extra point rule. It's still pretty good play. They're hitting each other. They're showing me the over-under and the total and and the, the betting line. I can bet on it. But it's almost like you need to have something to get more people to at least give you that initial chance so that maybe two-thirds yeah. of them say that they'll watch it next week. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're going to need is that curiosity factor. Because to me, honestly, Marquette King was one of the most fascinating watches to me because the personality, and frankly, the guy has incredible upside ability, even as a punter. Yes, Johnny Manziel is one that this league should covet. Now, he took a shot at the league uh, over the weekend and said, not playing for another league that's going to fold on you midway through the season. Now, I don't think this league will fold midway through the season. It'll go at least two to three years based on the financial support it has from Vince McMahon, who runs uh, and owns the WWE. But then Manziel goes on to say uh, he was the most relatable college football player and the most lit ever in the history of the game. That's for another day. They do need some curiosity factor in the way of Johnny Manziel, Colin Kaepernick. Maybe they can get a freshman out of college that can't go pro. And I mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Troy Aikman was on the sideline uh, over the weekend. Here's what he says about the overall product and some of the things he likes that actually might translate well to the next level. And that's where we're going to go next with this conversation is what can the NFL adopt from the product, maybe not the talent, but the product of the XFL. And now here's Troy Aikman. The handsome NFL Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman. Troy, XFL kickoff weekend here, 2020. What do you think? I think it's great. It's exciting to have football here and, you know, after the NFL season. I watched some of the games last night. Come here tonight, support my guy, Daryl Moose Johnston and his team, the Renegades, and it's been fantastic. You said you were sitting in the box with him getting a little inside information. He's the acting general manager, basically, for this team, for Stoops. What have you learned? Well, I've learned that it happens all really, really fast. You know, a 25-second play clock, which I love. I think think there are some things within this game. I think the kickoff is interesting. A lot of the things that the NFL is hoping to adopt, I think it's a chance to see how it is executed at this level, and I think we might see some of it. The transparency of the refs and reviews, I like a lot. I would assume you agree in that type of thing. Will you see the transformation, you think, from the XFL rules to the NFL, and how quickly do you think that happens? Um, I, I think we will, and, and it, it gives the NFL a chance to kind of see how it's adopted here in the XFL and, and, and how it's received and, and how it works and all those things. Dean Blandino, of course, he's been involved in Heads up, Troy. Jeez, Troy. Get out of the way, Troy. (laughs) 
You're going to get me killed over here, aren't you? Troy's like 120 pounds right now. He looks incredible. How Last about, question how about before we let you go. Running. How about the uh, communications from the coach to all of the players on the offense? Do you think that's something the NFL should have done? I like it. I like it. Now, I was told it was not all the players, but most of the players. I'd like to see it adopted to all the players. I, I, I think it's somewhat of a game changer. I'd like to see the coaches be able to talk to the defensive players, all of them as well. I think I – think, uh, I don't see any reason why that would be necessarily a negative. I think it's a, I think it's a real positive. So I like what I, you know, I think this league's got a real chance, and and uh, you're involved, so that that gives me hope. Troy Aikman there with Pat McAfee sideline. He's right about McAfee and personalities like that. That's another issue I think the league had over the weekend. And, and, and we'll go through some of the elements, but first let me ask you about the personalities involved, Ross. The coaches were some familiar names. They were like watching fucking paint dry. They were very boring. They were mic'd up. And even in moments where you thought they might drop an F-bomb or show some real personality or halftime speeches in the locker room, the coaches were very boring. Now, there's not a – John Gruden's don't grow on trees, but I think you're going to need more personality from this league. I would agree. I, I think for both the coaches, the players – and the broadcasters, I think they need to really embrace having fun and showing yeah. some energy. I think it's one of those deals where, frankly, if I'm Oliver Luck, I say to those guys, hey, listen, guys, I got news for you. TV takes precedence over anything, anything. I don't care if you're supposed to go back in the game. You keep doing the TV interview or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, And, and they really should have in hindsight, gotten coaches with better personalities as opposed to, you know, Jim Zorn or Mark Tressman, who maybe gave them some credibility as former NFL head coaches. But yeah. I, I don't think people really give a shit about credibility, to be honest with you. No. Like, no. I think they probably care more about credibility for the players. I think for the coaches – They'd rather have a character. They'd rather have a guy over there that's saying stuff to his players. And, like, even, like, I thought it was interesting. Jonathan Hayes, the coach of one of the teams, uh, his tight end came off the field and was, like, complaining about something. And I thought it was cool just to hear Jonathan Hayes say, I don't care. And he was like, but, coach, he's like, I don't care. Like, that was cool. That was, like, that was enjoyable. Like, to actually hear what that interaction's like. Indeed. Agree on that. Because I got to amend my second date comment. I guess in the end, this second date would become, excuse me, the voice crack, uh, because she was actually hot. Because the broadcast elements in terms of the transparency, in terms of what was mic'd up, what was not, she was hot on the surface, but the personality was lacking. So she's kind of that hot girl that gets a second date for obvious reasons, needs more personality to get a third date or even have a chance at the ring. Let's listen to what transparency sounds like in the XFL. Everyone's mic'd up. You've got the coaches mic'd up, can talk to the players to the last second. You've got the replay booth fully mic'd so you can hear how that process goes down as they handle it with a video game controller as well. This is what transparency sounds like in football. It's under further review. It's a completed catch and a fumble. Okay. Is, is that your ruling? Is that the ruling on the field? The ruling on the field is a completed catch, fumbled by the receivers. New York picked up the fumble, recovered in advance. 
first down, New York. Okay. Uh, we have a good view here. When he landed on the ground, he only had one foot down. The ball was jarred loose, so it's going to be an incomplete pass. We're going to change it to an incomplete pass. So give me down and distance on the previous play. Okay. Give me one second. Should be We're second and 15, right? 25-yard line. Should be second and 15, correct? Second and 15. All right. Okay. I will make the announcement. After further review, the receiver did not complete the process of a catch. Therefore, it is an incomplete pass. It will be second down and 15. Okay, transparency is great. That's one thing that would easily translate well to the NFL, but ain't going to happen anytime soon in my estimation. Let's go through a couple of the uh, the league rules. Do you want to see this transparency in the NFL? Let's go to the kickoff where players are separated by five yards and cannot move until the receiver catches, fields the actual kickoff. Uh, the one, two, and three-point extra points didn't see enough with a three-point variety. The rule I'm most excited to see, we did not. That is the overtime shootouts. Which of the rules did you like? Which did the NFL adopt? Well, first of all, love the transparency on the yep. replay. And that, you know, the AAF did that as well. The NFL should absolutely do that. But don't hold your breath because right now it's all back in New York, which would mean it's all Alberto Riveron. And I don't think the NFL wants to expose Alberto Riveron in that setting, quite frankly. But that, to me, is a no-brainer. You could easily have it sponsored, you know, at the bottom or at the top while they're going through that. Look, whether you agree or disagree with the call, it's nice to at least hear them talking it out and their thought process. And it's, it's nice to, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting to hear how that communication goes. I think in general, the more helmet communication, the more coach mics, the more player mics, the more cameras, the better. I thought the kickoff rule was excellent. And really, for the onside kick portion of it, they should do what the Pro Bowl did. Like, if I had for the NFL, the Pro Bowl should be the onside kick portion of it, which is fourth and 15 from your own 25. Otherwise, you do this kickoff. Now, the NFL is going to be nervous about it. What about squib kicks? And what about, you know, it takes away uh, certain elements of the game. But guess what? This is the direction we're going. It at least still allows for an opening kickoff. And there is the threat that the guy could break it. Now, I'm not convinced it's that much safer, Dave. I mean, you still have all these dudes taking a five-yard runny at each other and hitting each other. I mean, there's still a lot of helmet-to-helmet collisions. It's just not with the same force or same speed. I think having the getting rid of extra points and having another play, I think that's awesome. And that's one of my big things that when we talk with Ben that I'm going to bring up. I think the NFL should help prop up the XFL. I think the the XFL is great for the NFL. Developing players, developing officials, being able to test out different things like the camera angles, the transparency, the rules. You know, I don't know what it needs to be sustainable, but the NFL should help the XFL get there because I think it's worth it to the NFL if the XFL can survive.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Stunningly, you watched the Oscars last night. I am absolutely floored by that. What got your attention? Why? And I would assume this is the first time you've ever watched the Oscars. Yeah, so I didn't watch much of it, but my wife is away on business for a couple nights. So last night, I'm with my daughters, I put them to bed. And then I get in my bed and I'm looking at my phone or whatever. And everybody seems to be talking about the Oscars. And I literally think that my TV was already turned to ABC because of the XFL from like the day before or earlier in the day or something. So right. I don't know. I just started watching. I think the first thing I saw was like um, Steve Martin and Chris Rock came out. And I saw Chris Rock um, in person at Princeton. It's actually funny. Have I told you the story before, Dave? I don't believe so. Proceed. All right. So Princeton has a lot of student-run businesses, including one is like a security agency, which is basically bouncers and stuff like that. So as a big kid, I worked security for a lot of the events, including like when uh, a musical act like Train or whoever would come, Chris Rock came to campus. So I was like his backstage dude, like, you know, like making sure nobody got back there, right? Uh, and he had a guy with him, whatever. But I'll never forget Chris Rock. So this is why I like him and I watched him. It was sold out, Jim. Chris Rock walks out and he says, Dave, he says, Princeton, huh? Y'all some smart motherfuckers pulls out, pulls out, pulls out a huge wad of cash and says, well, start flipping through the cash. I got my GED and I'm doing just fine. You know what I mean? It was hilarious. Uh, and everybody loved it right away. Um, so I love that guy. He said so many funny things about like the ghetto grocery store versus the suburb grocery store. It was awesome. So, I started watching last night. I watched him. I think I, I remember seeing Brad Pitt win the Best Supporting Actor. I remember uh, they did all the Frozen, um, Frozen Two song uh, in in all the different languages. I, I was entertained. Now I wasn't entertained enough to like stay up past like nine thirty or nine yeah. and keep watching because I don't watch any movies. So, you know what's not that entertaining? Watching an award show 
about movies you've never seen and have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Best picture was Parasite, the foreign language film, best ever. Look, I'm going to just be frank here. Here are the other nominees. 1917 looks terrific. Ford versus Ferrari. Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Irishman, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story. Did you see any of those? Did you see any film that was nominated for any Oscar? I did not. No, I I cannot tell you the last time I watched a movie in the theater. I do think perhaps once over the last 18 months, my wife and I took our daughters to see something in the theater, some kid's movie. I don't know. I don't really watch movies at home either. So um, I will say this. There's enough buzz about Parasite or some of these movies that when they are available on demand or whatever, on cable or Netflix or Amazon or whatever, I might check them out. But also, by then, Dave, I probably will have just forgotten about this and moved on to something else. Like, I need, you know what I need? I need friends and family To be like, dude, you got to watch this movie. It's that good. And for none of these movies has that happened. And I think it's because most of my friends have young children like me and haven't seen them either. Because it's hard to go see movies like this when you're this age. So there's nothing really that compels me to then watch it. You know what else I do like, though? I also think it's funny on Oscars night on social media, all these people that all of a sudden are like film experts. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I liked the film, but I thought the film was slow at a few times. First of all, I never fucking called a movie a film in my life, okay? A film. Who? A film. Are you kidding me? I, I, please don't call movies films, all right? Unless you're like, in the industry. Oh, the film. No, it's a movie, okay? It's a freaking movie. Secondly, it cracks me up, all these people on social media, that all of a sudden think that they are film experts. Dude, you're just a moron like me that doesn't know anything about movies and just watches them and either you like them or you don't. I liked it. It was entertaining. It wasn't. But don't act like you're like some film critic. And now all of a sudden you have cachet. And I really, I really thought when when the, the one scene shut up, dude. Okay, just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I think what we need is a split screen, Ross Tucker like kind of doing your own Oscar show as it's going on. So maybe like an online show that you do where you and I get to comment and offer raw, honest commentary about what's going on might be better than the actual show where we could rip to shreds Joaquin Phoenix bullshit, garbage, meandering speech about animal rights and racism and that guy. I got no time for that guy. No thanks. I did not see Joker, but I'm going to be frank here. Of the nine Best Picture nominees, I too saw zero. So what, what Ross was Tucker his, and Dave Briggs saw zero. About, Dave? What was his speech it was just, about? 
Well, it was a meandering long speech in part about racism and part about animal rights. And the only part that I could say was redeeming is him saying what a pain in the ass he had been in his career and that a lot of people in here didn't give up on him, didn't lose faith in him and are willing to forgive him because he's been a bad dude over the course of his career. But the, the entire speech for me was just hard pass. And he got best actor. He got it, yeah. So the other big awards, we should, uh, Laura Dern, Renee, Renee Zellweger won Best Actress. We mentioned Brad Pitt, uh, Best Supporting. So Parasite, when you hear Parasite, now that's the South Korean foreign language film that won Best Picture. When you hear Parasite, you think it's about what? Um, Like the coronavirus. Something like that, like some type of virus that like got into people's brains or blood flow circulation. And you, we don't want you to have any chance you come over to the United States and give us the parasite. Like it. And if it were a sports movie, who would it be about? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, that is a really good one. Um, Kevin Durant. Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant going Ooh, going was... to going to Golden State, and like you know, it, it's like this big. The big animal is Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant comes over and he attaches himself to a bigger more dominant animal and just sucks their blood or whatever out as they win a championship. That's pretty damn good. Uh, Jordan Cohen has to say it's about OBJ in the locker room or maybe even better. I think this one's better. Alshon Jeffrey um, being a parasite with the Eagles chemistry, sucking the life out of it. First name that came to mind to me was James Dolan, Nick's owner who has just sucked the living life out of the joy of the Knicks, out of the organization, out of the experience of being a fan of the Knicks. He has been a parasitic owner for the New York Knicks organization. All right, 19... No, you're wrong. You're wrong, Dave. You're wrong. How's that? Dolan, Dolan is the Joker. Dolan's the ah. Joker. If we're, going, if we're going just based on the name of the movie... Without knowing what, the, like, I know what the Joker's about, but like, if you're going just by the name of the movie, Dolan is the Joker because, unfortunately for Knicks fans, he is a joke. Let me ask you this, though. Watching, like, the previews for the Joker and hearing about Joaquin Phoenix, it doesn't really seem like it's that much about the guy from Batman. So this might meet me just like spewing my ignorance. Is it about Batman? Like, is it about the guy from the Batman movies? Like, I, I'm I'm totally confused what the relationship is between Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker, and the Batman movies or Batman. Well, yes, it is the exact character and the exact reason I had no... Look, I'm scared to death of clowns. The fact that clowns were on stage last night to start the Oscars dancing around freaked me out, and they crept into my nightmares last night. I don't see films about clowns. 
period. I will never pay to see a movie about clowns as it is the exact character from the Batman. It's just a lot darker look, a much darker, right, like, more wasn't grim. About, like, but what, but what, like, was Batman in it? Or is it just like, no. I, I, right. It just sounds like it's just about like Joaquin Phoenix laughing and acting weird. You know, that's one of my issues, Dave, with the Oscars. I don't really pay attention, but it seems like the Oscar winner for best actor or actress almost always goes to whoever acts like the weirdest person in a movie that year. You know what I mean? Like whoever has some type of disease or learning disability or, you know, what whatever it is, right? Like, and this time it was the Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, and I guess um, there's some type of, is it called a syndrome or a mental health issue that the Joker has? And so Joaquin Phoenix did a good job. Like, I guess my question is, is that person really the best actor? Or did they get cast in the weirdest, most unique role that year? And whoever ended up getting that role is going to win because you're acting like a person with a mental illness and oh my gosh, what an unbelievable job doing. And I'm not, this is not mocking mental health at all. I'm just saying from an actor standpoint, like I can just picture the guys, like let's say you wanted to get an Oscar, right? I would just sit there and go through the scripts I get sent by the producers. All right, how messed up is this dude? Nope, not messed up enough. Uh, let me see. Ooh. He's got a couple mental health issues. All right. I might be able to win the Oscar for this one. Like, don't you feel like that's what it's about, Dave? That's what the Academy has has become. And, and a lot of the criticism coming into the show was about, again, how white the Oscars are, one minority nominee, and there wasn't enough women nominated for most people. So that was all the buzz going in. And then going out, yes, typically year in and year out, the Academy is not very relatable to most of us Americans. And that's why, in general, this show, the, the Oscars, is not so likable, not so watchable. One, you have no host. I think Chris Rock and Steve Martin started the show well, but should have been the host throughout the program. That was a really interesting balance. I enjoyed those two more than I enjoyed anything on the night other than Eminem, Lose Yourself, Surprise, uh, performance last night. That was the best part of the night because that Eminem is the greatest rapper of all time, bar none, and he crushed it. He brought down the house. So that was the best part of the night for me. The Academy is unrelatable, unwatchable. We just can't really understand what they see in films. And how many people are likely to go see Parasite right now? None. None of us are going to go see Parasite. How about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? What is that about to you on the surface? And if it were a sports movie, what would it be? Ooh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a story about a guy from the Midwest, a farmer from the Midwest who drives out to Hollywood and uh, struggles waiting tables and, I don't know, maybe even doing uh, being a male gigolo and waiting tables before he finally gets his big break in Thelma and Louise and goes on to become a, a very well-known Hollywood actor. You may have a future in fi films 
films. You may have a future in films being able to describe that synopsis of Once Upon films. a Time in Hollywood. I you love, are a I film. Love going to the, I love going to the theater and taking in a film. We are talking about the XFL, and one of the highlights over the weekend was the in-game interview, which we'll get into in a moment. Let's have an in-show interview with Ben Kirchival, CBS Sports XFL reporter. Uh, ben, good to have you on the show. You were at a game, and presumably you watched a game as well. What was the at-game experience like for you? Most of us, are, are, of course, watched it from the couch. Yeah, I was at uh, Dallas and St. Louis, or, um, so it was going to be here in Arlington. And, um, you know, it was good. They, uh, they have it at Globe Life Park, which is the uh, old Rangers ballpark. And so it's a, it's a, little, it's a little bit of a funky setup. Um, but fans turned out, they said about 17,000. I always think that's a little bit of an overestimate. But uh, lower bowl filled in pretty nicely. Uh, people had uh, faces painted. Uh, kind of dressed up a little bit. I mean, that's, to me, that's a little bit easy to do when it's week one and, and hope springs eternal and everyone's really excited about it. We'll see kind of how long that can continue to go on. Uh, wasn't a lot of offense in that game last night. Renegade lost. I was talking to someone on the Renegade staff, and he's like, you know, when Landry Jones is, is able to come back healthy and if they have a co- quarterback competition with him and Philip Nelson, hopefully that – Opens up the offense a little bit. That just really wasn't the case last night. A lot of checkdowns. But, I mean, overall, it, it seems like people were really interested. You can only get so interested, though, when your team is kicking field goals and, and there's really a not a lot going on. So, I think that just speaks to the larger point about if the football is watchable and it's entertaining like it really was on Saturday, then, you know, all the other things that the XFL is doing right, those things are good. But that's what really has to matter. Is no one's expecting it to be the NFL, but it has to be – like Sunbelt football, right? It's got to be like something quirky and different that people like tuning into. All right, so Ben, what was the best part about it and what was the worst part about it in your mind? <laughs> you know, this is always what happens to me, man. The worst part was the game I had to sit through Sunday night. <laughs> that was probably the worst game. Because like, it's, you know, if you look at the AAF last year, those games were really some of them were really rough through like the first four or five weeks but they also lasted like only two and a half hours it was pretty it was like ripping a band-aid off if if it wasn't good at least you knew it was going to be over in like a a sort of short amount of time these uh, xfl games are much closer to the time frame of an nfl game maybe a little bit shorter um but when you consider the the clock stopping inside of two minutes after every play. That's one of those rules where I, you know, they, I know they do it to try to make sure the team who's behind has a, a better opportunity to come back and make it a game. I, I get why they're doing that. It really slows down the game a lot, even though for 56 out of the 60 minutes, it, it actually cruises pretty well. But those final two minutes are a real grind. I don't know that of all the rule changes, I don't know that that's my favorite. However, that being said, every, everything else, they really gear towards offense. They gear towards big plays. We haven't seen overtime yet. We haven't seen really the double forward pass yet. I think those are things as the season progresses are, are going to be really fun to watch. But, uh, you know, just the fact that they do the, the extra points a little bit differently, you can get one, two, or three. Uh, the new kickoff rules, I think, were, were really successful, even though there wasn't a big play. That was very well received. Um, instant replay transparency was very well received. 
And yeah, I like to say, if you, if you have a good mobile quarterback in there, like TJ Walker, or Cardell Jones, or Jordan Tiano, uh, those, those XFL offenses can be pretty fun. Talking to Ben Kirchival, CBS Sports, covering the XFL. Yeah, my biggest disappointments, we didn't see the double forward pass and we didn't get an overtime game. I eagerly await that shootout uh, format that the XFL has embraced. The in-game interview, Ben, was very interesting. Some good, some bad, and some very notable on social media. Listen to this one. I don't know. There's just a lot of chatter after play. We're trying to make some stuff happen, and they're doing a little extra pushing and shoving. We're trying to get our fucking job done. And there was the first F-bomb of the XFL season. There was the first ejection also we saw for a punch delivered. What can they fix that they need to. You can't fix the talent level. I thought the quarterback play was was mediocre at best uh, beyond P.J. Walker and maybe Cardale Jones. What can they fix in the immediate future? Uh, I don't know that you're going to fix anything after one week. I mean, if you're going to do in-game interviews, people are going to drop the F-bomb. I mean, I mean if, people, if people were ever down on the sideline for even a football practice, I, they would know that those words are flying around all the time and it's emotional and people push and shove all the time. So if you're going to do those in-game interviews all the time, you're, you know, you're going to have a couple of those. So I, I, I don't know that that's something you necessarily need to, to try to tweak or, or adapt or anything. You just, you just kind of have to roll with what that's going to be. Um, you just have to give this thing a few weeks to really gel. And it's going to be tough for some of the teams that don't have great quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's, there's not 32 great quarterbacks in the NFL. There's maybe not even 15 or 16. So, so to go to the XFL and say, all right, we've got to find eight great quarterbacks, even if we're going to pay them more, that's going to be almost impossible to do. You're going to have one, maybe two. Same thing with the AAF last year. You just have to ha- hope that the coaches are able to develop some of those guys in the meantime, squeeze the most out of them, get some good play calling in there. Uh, so, you know, after one week, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can say, yes, we need to absolutely change this. I think you just need to ride it out a little bit and, and see what it gets you and then maybe make some more whole- wholesale changes going into a year two. Ben, you mentioned the AAF. I'm curious, knowing that you cover the AAF as well, how do the two compare? Like, in what ways is the XFL better, if at all? I'll tell you what, I, you know, say for maybe the Sunday games, uh, I thought the product was a little bit ahead of where the AAF was last year. The football was a little bit better, a little bit more competitive, uh, and that was an encouraging sign. Now, I think they've also streamlined the game uh, outside of just the whole, you know, the fact that they're a little bit uh, longer games. I actually think they've streamlined the process a little bit more. Um, I think they've, they've found ways again to just with some of the rule tweaks, you just, you just make things a little bit more interesting. You found a way to make kickoffs a little bit more interesting. Uh, I think there's some really smart minds, smart football minds behind the XFL. And, and there were for the AAF too, but I think ultimately the way that, they were managed on the back end, coupled with the fact that, you know, the quarterbacks were not super well compensated. And so you didn't have a great quarterback selection. Um, you know, I think the XFL has put its chips all in on some more of the things that really matter uh, when it comes to having a, a spring football league. We'll see how long that, that gets them. But I, I think they've, 
they've invested in the right areas. It's just whether that that pans out for them. So I guess the question in my mind, Ben, and Dave and I were talking about earlier, I don't know if you have this answer or not, but what do they need? Like, what do they need ratings-wise and attendance-wise to break even and say this this venture is successful or at least worth continuing? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So Saturday's game got $3.3 million. And for reference, the AAS first uh, Saturday got two point nine uh, a year ago. So a little bit past that now, what you're obviously going to expect is that those ratings are going to taper off. I mean, they're, they're going to. ESPN, Fox, the XFL – they're all prepared for that. Every startup league ever has had that same issue. So you have to be able to mitigate what that drop-off is. Now, I don't know what the specific number would be for them, but obviously they feel like they need to have some sort of maintenance level where they feel good about having a year or two. And for the record, I think barring an unmitigated disaster, they will get a year or two. That will be more of the really clutch time to figure out if, if they can – have this thing become viable. I wouldn't worry too much about attendance. Um, that's probably not their highest priority. They know kind of where they stand with that. But keep in mind, too, I mean, they have a partnership with FanDuel for fantasy football. Um, I mean, you've got to be able to, to make some money in other areas as well like that. Um, and then, again, two, maybe three years down the road, if you've been able to maintain some of that viewership, you're not going to get 3.3 every weekend. But if you can maintain some of that, pretty consistently, I think that gives you, not necessarily leverage, but that gives you an opportunity to sort of rework those contracts and, and have something go beyond just the first couple of years. Feels like the over-under for the league existence is about two and a half years. Talking to Ben Kirch of all mm-hmm. CBS Sports, covered the XFL's opening weekend. They got a lot of familiar names as far as the coaching standpoint goes, Bob Stoops, Kevin Gilbride, Pep Hamilton, Jim Zorn among them, and they were mic'd up, which was interesting from a play-calling strategy. I wonder how they'll like it next week when teams know uh, what their play calls are. But here's the personality of Jim Zorn and what was one of the real misses, I thought, over the weekend. Listen. Trips right, 21 ace dancer. Trips right, 21 ace dancer. You run the option route. Indeed they do, but he fumbles the football. Fumbles the ball, and Qualls was there for D.C. you got to be kidding me. Oh, my gosh. All right, so it was a devastating fumble right near the goal line, and there's Jim Zorn with, oh, my gosh. Credible names, really boring personalities coaching. Do you think they made a mistake and not coveting? And maybe there are none. Maybe there are no John Gruden-type coaches out there. Yeah, I mean, your pool of coaches is, I don't want to say limited, but it's its different. Um, you know, Oliver Luck talked me through this process a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they had coaches that they identified. But when you do a startup league, you know who your head coaches are going to be? The guys who either are like Bob Stoops or, or Jim Zorn or Mark Trestman, who are probably more in the twilight of their careers, who are just looking to coach some ball in the spring and then you know kind of be done for half the year, and, and that's that works for them. And if it doesn't work out, it's no sweat off their back. Um, you're either going to get guys like that, or you're either going to get a Pep Hamilton or a Jonathan Hayes, who who will be fine no matter what, but are maybe looking for their first head coaching opportunity, and, and this is a chance to, to put something else on the resume. 
So as far as the, you know, huge personalities or whatever, it's, it's not that they're not out there. It's that they have to, you know, work with really what they have. And, and the pool is, again, it's not limited, but it's just there's only so many people that you can really go out and hire. And, you know, look, not everyone's going to have a, a huge personality. It's just kind of what it is. But I think if this, again, if this thing succeeds and goes past, it goes past a couple of years, then you're going to have an opportunity to open it up and, and really get some different minds in there, not just personalities. I mean, they, they looked at Joe Brady a year ago before anybody knew who Joe Brady was. But it's not, it wasn't smart for Joe Brady to go take a chance on the XFL when he was on this trajectory. So it's, uh, you know, if you're, you're going to have some sideline interviews with a drop the F-bomb and you're going to have some coaches who don't give you anything personality-wise. It's, you know, not, they're not going to be perfect for everybody. What about, Ben, uh, trying to get some more star power from the players, whether it is the Johnny Manziel or Tebow's of the world or even dipping into the college ranks? Uh, yeah, you don't want Johnny Manziel. You don't. Uh, you don't, um, there are a lot of reasons for that, Why not? but do you, I mean, you followed his career, right? I mean, that's, I, let me tell you, I, well, he went to, he went to the AAF and there was a reason he got passed around before he landed on Memphis. I'm just saying that. So, but as far as, as far as other star power goes, I will say this because they pay the quarterbacks more than the AAF. Uh, I think they have an opportunity to get some guys with higher ceilings who maybe aren't getting the, the starting jobs in, in the NFL. But again, there's, there's not like, there's not 32 great quarterbacks out there. So it's just the, the pool is, is very small. It's, it's not as big as everyone maybe thinks that it is. Um, and then, so if, if quarterbacks are getting a higher chunk of the salary, that means it's less for everyone else. Well, no one out there who's a big name is going to is going to take that pay cut. I mean, even Antonio Brown, you know, before everything that happened with him, I mean, they talked about him being a possibility for the XFL. Well, he he could go just so that he's playing football, but he's not getting really paid a whole lot. And then on top of that, he's it's not like he's got anything he has to prove. I mean, he's obviously the best wide receiver in the NFL. You don't have to go and prove that. The reality is, for whether it's the XFL or the AAF, these guys are here for a reason. There's a reason they're not in the NFL, and you have to be able to, uh, you know, temper those expectations and, and go with that product because it's not going to be as good. And there's a very short of having just un, unlimited cap space in, in contracts, which is hard when it's being financed by one person, even if that person is a billionaire. It's very hard to just go out there and throw money at whoever you want and hope that they come and, and play. Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports, breaking college football news this morning. Good to talk to you, Pete. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. Tell us about Luke Fickle turning down Michigan State and what does it say about the state of Michigan State football that this search is defined by all the coaches not interested? Uh, Well, I'm going to quibble with one thing you said slightly, Dave. The Cincinnati coach in that position is one of the best positions in group of five football. I mean, if you look at the last 20 years, Cincinnati coaches have gone to Michigan State, obviously, with Antonio. They've gone to Tennessee. They've gone to Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. So 
I don't think it's an insult necessarily to Michigan State that Luke Fickle, uh, you know, d- declined his interest after interviewing on uh, on Sunday. I I think Luke Fickle has a better team at Cincinnati than the roster currently at Michigan State, and you have an athletic director, Bill Beekman, who's not really an athletic director. He's a suit who came over from the campus side in the wake of the awful Nasser, Nasser scandal. He's never run a coaching search, and that's becoming apparent here as this search sort of sputters on aimlessly uh, kind of throughout, throughout the country without a ton of direction and conviction. So the timing of Mark D'Antonio's departure is really the first thing that set this back. This is a very difficult time for coaches to switch jobs. I mean, it opened the day before signing day. So there would, there, there's already some like inherent ugliness with leaving right after you're signing a bunch of kids. And then when you, when you compound it with the administrative instability at Michigan State, it's not that attractive of a job. Uh, I think now as we, as we wake up on Monday, interim coach Mike Tressel has a much better chance at getting this job just because uh, they, they've searched and knocked on some good doors and nobody's answered. So... I want to get back, Pete, to the, the 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 matter at hand with Fickle. You know, Michigan State, Power Five, perennial top twenty-five program, Big Ten East. Why did he say no? I think there there's a, a bunch of reasons. I think the timing had a lot to do with it. Um, he has a son who's going to be a, a senior in high school. It's difficult to walk away from a, a team you're already started to build. You know, you're a month into kind of winter workouts in, in different things. And he he has a better team at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle's never lived outside the state of Ohio, other than he had a cup of coffee with, uh, I believe, the Saints after he played at Ohio State. So there's, there's a comfort zone there. And, and I really think, Ross, the answer to Michigan State, you can say perennial top 25, you can say what you want. It's the fourth best job in either the toughest or the second toughest division in all of college football. You're inheriting a bad roster with no quarterback and scandal looming over the entire university. And, oh, by the way, you've got to build it so you can beat Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. It's a difficult job. And I think Mark D'Antonio exceeded expectations there and, and did an excellent job. It's unfair almost to view it through his prism. Um, I tweeted out over the weekend, it is the greatest rivalry in all of sports, bar none. In the last 100 meetings prior to Saturday night, it was tied Duke Carolina 50-50. And to take it one step further, they had scored the exact same amount of points, 7,746. And then this happened late Saturday night. They go to overtime. Listen to the call. And Alex O'Connell, position, got the miss. Jones, can he get a shot off? Yes! Jones knocks it down to tie the game as the horn sounds. Just amazing. The question is, did he get it off in time? It looked like he did. And instead of shooting a soft shot, shooters Matthew Hurt and Alex O'Connell, position, a miss, a tap. Jones, tipped, yes! Wendell Moore puts it home for Duke. 
That was an unbelievable win for Duke Wendell Moore and a win that could have changed the season for North Carolina. But Trey Jones, Wendell Moore saved the day. It's 51-50 Duke, and they have it by two points in the last 101 meetings. Pete, what to you makes this, or am I wrong, that it's the greatest rivalry in all of sports today? It's a, it's a great rivalry. I mean, Auburn, Alabama and football would definitely, in college, would definitely rival the rivalry, if you will. But I, I do agree generally that Carolina Duke is awesome. It always delivers. And that game was fantastic. My, my favorite play for, from that game uh, on Saturday Night Dave was the missed free throw. How Trey Jones missed that free throw. It was like a two-handed chest pass off the bottom of the rim, and then it caroms over, he collects it, makes a move, and then hits a jump shot. Like, that is one of the great, clutch basketball plays that you will ever see. Uh, I, I would argue it was the best missed free throw. There may be one in the NBA somewhere in the playoffs that I've missed, but I don't ever remember the missed free throw gambit working that well and, and executed that perfectly. And then he comes in the lane and hits a heck of a tough shot, that pull up and hit it pure. Trey Jones isn't the best shooter in the world. So it was just a remarkable basketball play. And look, Duke had to make like, seven plays. Carolina lost this game a dozen different ways, but that was, uh, to me, when I think about this game and that finish five years from now, it's going to be that Trey Jones chess pass missed free throw that, uh, that, that stands out in my mind. Yeah, good job there by Jay Billis and the ESPN guys uh, describing it. Pete, when does the rule kick in where the kids can go right from high school to the NBA and does that in some way end up helping college hoops that maybe next year I would actually know who some of these college basketball players are whenever that kicks in? Or does it hurt it because then they're really not going to have any stars? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, they still have not set that yet uh, when the one – they have said they want it to happen, but there's still some <laughs> lingering tension between the NBA Players Association and the NBA – about eradicating the one-and-done rule and letting kids come straight from high school again. It's a sort of dense negotiating point that revolves around access to players' injury information prior to the draft. Um, and it's one of those things where the agents have dug their heels in. So, like, it could conceivably not happen. Adam Silver said it's expected to happen. He's talked about it openly happening, but it has not happened yet. So we shouldn't overstate that. I believe the first year would be when the current freshmen in high school, like because Imani Bates is one of those, are, uh, I think it's the class of 22. Um, I'm not good at math. That's why I became a journalist. Uh, that's when the, the the plan was for. But if that doesn't happen, it's going to change the whole landscape in a lot of other ways too. But that's a that's another rabbit hole we can go down. Uh, we can go down some other time. So it is expected to happen in the next three years. But whether it does or not still still remains to be seen. And the fact that it's taken this long from they sort of declared it to happen to now is, 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 is intriguing and should not be overlooked. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, 
Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.